everybody, and welcome to the 33rd episode of the Insiders on Real Estate and Marketing. I'm your host, Sandy Hibbard, and I'm joining, joined by my co-host, Mr. Mark Miller, who is president at Secured Title of Texas, who sponsors our show. So a great big welcome to everybody. We have a great show today, and uh, very timely. We're always a little bit uh, ahead of the times as being the insiders. insiders we want to let you know a little bit of what we feel like is happening on the inside of the market. And we have no better person to do that with today than Mr. Matt Acock. And he's a managing partner over at Pratt Acock. And his specialty is helping his clients stay out of financial trouble. So we're gonna talk today about the market, the foreclosures that might be coming, the taxes that might be wild and crazy that you're gonna have to pay, and what Mark and Matt think about that from a professional standpoint, being in the trenches as they are in this kind of business. So welcome everybody and welcome you, Mr. Mark. Thank you. Thank How you. are you? I'm doing great. Good. I'm doing great. Good, we good. Fortunately had a very uh, good month and yeah. uh, closed uh, 140 million in commercial Woo. transactions, which is a blessing. And you've been saying for months that it is commercial that is running this show right now. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. The uh, now, and that's probably going to shift a little. You think? If they continue to bump on the rate side, yeah. which I think they will. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, but until then, we've had a really uh, good month, and I feel blessed that we have because a lot of companies out there are in either residential space only mm -hmm. or refinance space only, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and we had the uh, benefit of having multiple channels of revenue. So we're yeah. doing we're doing really well. I feel yeah. I feel like we're really secure. <laughs> <laughs> secured title of Texas people. And by the way, a word about them. They are a, uh, a title company that is grassroots right here in Dallas. Um, they have a team of professionals that are veterans. They know how to get things done when other title companies, other companies can't get it done. This, this guy and his team of professionals will. So reach out to them. Go visit their website, secured title tx.com and take a look at their uh, lineup of leadership, the people that you would be working with, probably some that you know, and uh, the kind of services that they offer, Secured Title of Texas. So Mark, we have a good show today. I'm anxious uh, to jump into this because yep. we could be talking about this for, <laughs> I know, a lot longer than we're going to have time to. Right. Uh, why don't you introduce Matt? Tell us a little bit about him. Sure. Well, uh, Matt, as you pointed out, is a partner at uh, Pratt Acock. Um, <clears throat> Matt has been um, around and in the title business for over 20 years. Mm -hmm. uh, he has an affiliated relationship with us, which I'm very happy about. Um, he started grassroots as a title examiner. Mm -hmm. and, uh, really? That'll get you out. That'll make you want yeah. to go public quickly. <laughs> many, many years ago. Yeah. That's why and, I wear glasses. Uh, anyhow, he, he does. He practices a little <laughs> bit of everything. And you said he helps people stay out of trouble. Sometimes he's trying to help people get out of trouble. That's true. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. And uh, and deals with all uh, aspects of real estate. He mm -hmm. also has, works in investor strategies, mm -hmm. wealth protection, estate planning entity formation, so he has kind of the full gamut. Yeah. Uh, he's who I'm gonna to think to turn to if I get a call that somebody says, I need help. Right. Or we know it's gonna to need to be outside counsel. Okay, I'm, uh, I'm to anxious assist. to see what just what that entails. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so uh, anyhow, uh, and Matt and I have known each other a long time, I respect mm -hmm. him, and he's, he is very knowledgeable, and you know, he's always been sort of the front side of when we start to see where I think we are now, mm -hmm. which is the reality is, is the default market is beginning to surface and we mm -hmm. don't know what that's going to look like but we can mm -hmm. speculate 
to that side, and uh, so I want forbearance wanna, brought us time, bought us time, bought, didought some time, mm -hmm. uh, and but that's kind of been unraveled, and now the reality of what we're at now, which is uh, a number of different uh, scenarios, but I also want to visit a little bit for our realtor uh, following uh, about some of the. Uh, issues that Matt is seeing that he's being brought in to represent parties in transactions oh. and what some of those things are that are happening that uh, are probably preventable to some degree and uh, mm -hmm. and sometimes not you just can't sometimes you can't get parties to agree and right. then the contract busts and now you got to deal with the outcome from that so right. Right. so anyhow I welcome Matt uh, here with us today and uh, and we'll talk a little bit about everything but let's just kind of start and Matt, kind of give me your assessment because you're in contact with the lender side. Let's talk a little bit about what you're <clears throat> seeing in, in your vision of what you think the default market might begin to look like over the next six months. I can tell you what it should look like. Um, if you just look at the time from March of 2020 to date, um, you're looking at almost three years, essentially, of mm -hmm. almost no default activity. You know, they were taking back, um, you know, homes if there was a, a death or something. But, uh, but they, they were not foreclosing on people that were living in the home for almost three years. If you assume there was no negative impact at all on people's economic well-being during that period of time, you're still going to have a certain percentage of default every year just naturally happens. Mm -hmm. You've got deaths, divorces job losses, mm -hmm. those normal things that happen. And one of the things that helps keep property values in a more reasonable level is the existence of this foreclosure market to help drive people to have to sell their home because they can no longer afford it. Uh, and it makes things a little bit more affordability, uh, more affordable. Mm -hmm. and I think a lot of what we saw in terms of appreciation of assets was tied to the fact that we did not have a default market at all. Uh, and I think that played a really big role in what was causing those values to go up. We're going to see catch up. Uh, it's going to feel like the 08 uh, crash. It's going to feel like that. The numbers may even be pretty close to the same initially, but it's just catch up. If mm -hmm. you just look at catch up work, that's all it is. It's nothing new. Because we were just talking before we went on is the that, air. Are you talking about it balancing out when you say catch right. up the price? Yeah. Well, it should. Index is going to catch these, up to the reality? Or what, what yeah, exactly do you mean by these that? These are scenarios where it's people that should have been foreclosed on in 2020, 2021, or this year. <laughs> and instead, they got an extra six months, two years, whatever, okay. for free. Um, right. You know, to, but they, they're not going to be, they're not current. Right. And so they, they can't keep the home. And so they would have been foreclosed on in the past. And, gotcha. and now it's just going to happen mostly next year. Uh, things have already started. Mm -hmm. Foreclosure filings are up significantly. Uh, and they are going to, to continue to push forward next mm -hmm. year. Uh, until that catch-up is made. So forbearance wasn't forgiveness. It is not. Okay. It's not. There, there was there was some components where they would tack the interest on the back end mm -hmm. of the loan, extend your loan out. Mm -hmm. um, there's also through FHA and VA type programs, they have what they call a partial claim, mm -hmm. which is where you know essentially the HUD or VA kind of steps in and gives a little bit of money to catch things up with the the actual lender, mm -hmm. but then that same dollar amount tags on as a second lien. So. There's, those are the things that have been done, but they didn't. Nothing was done to fix the problem. It's just postponing the inevitable, gotcha. typically. Right. You know, so. Wow. Yeah. So <laughs> when you say 2008, it's like everyone <clears throat> shudders. So yeah. how is this different? Can you give us a comparison of how this uh, pans out differently from 2008? Yeah. Uh, we know that there's some issues coming up, but is it going to be that bad? 
Well, the way that, that we did really well um, when everything happened in 08 through, we stopped being able to take advantage of the market until about 2012, things started really starting to normalize again. We represent a lot of uh, hedge funds and different people, and we would go in and we would buy um, performing sometimes, sometimes non-performing debt from from banks that were going to fail. Mm-hmm. So if you file, if you fall under a certain tier one capital ratio, which is just how much money does a bank have to cover outstanding, you know, um, uh, liabilities and, and whatnot. If, if you fall under the, that threshold, you get put into receivership. Mm-hmm. Well, nobody wants to go into receivership. Mm-hmm. And so what they would do is they would drop their assets, uh, which are, you know, they would drop their loans. They would they would say, hey, this is a face value of a million dollars. We'll sell it to you for 800 because we need the cash, and, you know, mm-hmm. to hit our, our books. And so that was happening a lot. Mm-hmm. That's the big difference. I don't see any of that right now. Of course, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm getting called by all my <laughs> old friends. They're like, hey. Are you seeing anything, Matt? Is there anything to buy? There's not. Are not you that seeing, I'm seeing anything like that? No, no, I think the banks are in pretty strong. Banks, banks have yeah. tons of money, yeah. tons of coverage. Plus, they got yeah. rates climbing, which you see right. on one side from the origination. <laughs> yes. But on the other side, that's yeah, that's good for them. Yeah, banks mm-hmm. are incredibly healthy unless something else changes. <clears throat> There's nothing about this that looks anything like 08. Um, I don't see any of the the major financial institutions struggling. Um, and and then not to mention most mortgages, now they're backed by not just FHA, VA, or Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac, you know, that's probably 90% of all mortgages right there. Mm -hmm. So either government-backed or quasi-government-backed, you know, mortgages are, Mm -hmm. they can shift that risk onto the federal government, which then would shift it back to us, of course, but it spreads the risk out. So a bank collapse just doesn't, it would not make sense. I'd be shocked. Yeah, Mm -hmm. Uh, That's not something I could possibly see coming. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I think that's more uh, consumer stress related. Yes. And inflation, mm-hmm. and the we- the breaks that they've been trying to put on us for a number mm-hmm. of months now, and the rates rising, to slow everything down. Their intention is happening, and now I think we're going to see the next phase, which we really haven't seen, is where companies are going to start laying off. We're seeing it in the industry now, mm-hmm. uh, right? And mortgage and title. I mean, companies have got to be feeling inflation too. Sure, they do. Yeah, they are. They do. And and the interesting thing is, like, if, if we're wanting to talk about, you know, how that impacts mortgages, one of the things that I, I do is I, I try to look at data because um, that, that's typically the best way to understand what's happened in the past. So you can get really good quality inflation data as well as mortgage rate data back into the early 70s. Mm-hmm. You know, anything before then, it starts to be a little questionable because it's measured differently sometimes. So... When you look at that for a number of years, 3.8% roughly is what mortgage rates would be above the previous month's inflation rate. That's just what they've always floated around. So in recent years, that's always been about 2.7% higher than the previous you know, year's inflation rate. Mm-hmm. So we, we've crunched that number down. I, I would speculate that's due to technology and things of this nature to make things more profitable so they can afford to do it. Mm-hmm. Well, what's scary is that we should have been at about a 7.7% interest rate on average this year based on that trend. Mm-hmm. We're lower than that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Next year. Because they were keeping it down. Right. Next right? year, we should be a little over 11% just based on performance this year on inflation, a little over 11%. And so if those things don't happen, you'll notice back, you know, during, during Carter's years, 
Um, that inflation got so out of control that interest rates stayed up really high yeah. for a very long period of time. In the 80s, I bought a house at one of those interest right. rates back then. And, and even when it, inflation <laughs> fell down to very low levels, those interest rates still stayed high because the banks had to recapitalize everything. I don't know if we're going to have that same delay, but there will be a delay. The longer we wait for them to raise rates, the longer it's going to take for them to recoup you know, the inflationary impact. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so that does, that that's what concerns me the most is inflation right now, mm -hmm, by far. Mm -hmm. And I don't know that we're done. Right. Well, and the, the appeal historically too would be when the 30 year rows, the ARMs came into play mm -hmm, for right. the spread. Yeah. Uh, that's still a factor, but I think the bigger question is, is LIBOR is no longer an index. Right. And so what is what are the new set rates gonna be and how is that gonna look for the consumer? You know, the, the mantra out there is uh, buy the home and, uh, let's see, marry the home and uh, date the rate. Yeah, yeah, yeah I've heard that. And, yeah, and I, which I don't concur with necessarily, but it's, yeah. it's a ploy. To I think to I say, just don't, did that. Yeah, don't worry about yeah. the rate. I feel like I, I'm cheating. I think you need to be worried about potentially if you get into ARM is what your adjustment indexes are and how frequently and what are, yes. the, what are the caps on those mm -hmm. going to be. Dear Lord, guys, do you yeah. think it's going to go up to that? that yes, it's, it should. Now, it, I've, I've mispredicted several things in the last few years because, I mean, frankly, I never expected the administration and whatnot to take a lot of the positions they have because they don't, they don't make sound fundamental sense, no matter which side of the aisle you're on. It's just, it doesn't make sense. It's almost as if they're trying to cause this to happen and that's why it's happening. I don't know why, but uh, it could just be bad decision-making. But if the trends continue, that's what has to happen. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's where capitalism comes in and, and resolves every issue over time. It, it will fix the problem on its own, and that would have to to result in much higher rates than where we are now. So now you have uh, historically also um, done a good job in bringing about some services in short sale that may yeah. be like brain surgery as well, trying to do that. Yeah. But do you, do we see that as a potential? Yeah, you come as well. You, you should see more short sales come up, um, and, and that's just especially going to be true. So if you see someone that got a partial claim, like an FHA or a VA loan, they got their partial claim, they're not going to be able to sell that home for what they have in it. Right. Like, they're upside down at that point. Mm -hmm. So I would say very highly likely in those two spaces. So if you're an agent looking for an opportunity to do some short sales, FHA, VA loans, where they've gotten their partial claim, those are going to be short sales, mm -hmm. most likely. Uh, the good part is when I did it last cycle, there was no system for short sales, <clears throat> so I kind of had to create one, which was not fun. Now, most of the lenders have a pretty good system for it, so mm -hmm. it's a lot easier to navigate, still a pain. Mm -hmm. and, and if you don't know, I mean, a short sale just means you're paying less than you owe the lender right. when you sell it. I remember it's doing not some a time thing. Like, marketing it for takes short a long sales. time. Yeah. yeah. So you, you are. You're going to see a lot of those. But the, the biggest opportunity right now, and this is, I'm still not seeing enough agents do it. And this is what I would be doing if I was an agent, is I would find everybody in my database that had an FHA or VA loan. I would market the fact that they have a 3% loan because all FHA and VA loans are what's known as a qualified assumable. So if right. you qualify for that loan today, you can assume you, it from yesterday and keep that rate. So if rates are 10% mm -hmm. and you've got a 3% FHA loan, mm -hmm. that is a very marketable property yeah. when you go to sell. That's a sweet thing. That's right. And, and agents could hit home runs right now. That is your biggest opportunity as an agent. 
if you want to pick up you know mm-hmm. listings that that is where the money's at those things will sell easily um, but you can't do that with conventional mm-hmm. um, directly there are some ways to do it but they get very tricky um, and you you certainly don't want to just jump into that without mm-hmm. at least investigating what could happen so so going back to the short sales and foreclosures how do agents work with banks to get those listings yeah so on the foreclosure aspect so if the bank for actually forecloses and there's not a buyer at the sale which we think this go around there will be more buyers at the auctions than mm-hmm. than take backs mm-hmm. take backs where nobody bids uh, we do think more people will be buying at auction mm-hmm. so if the bank takes it back it becomes an reo real estate owned um, they will find someone that will manage that particular market mm-hmm. and that person is typically going to be the one to choose the real estate agent so before banks would do it directly but now most of them are outsourcing that mm-hmm. function to um, you know, there's several vendors out there to do it. I don't want to plug them all. They didn't pay us to do that. So, but they are. They did out not there. pay us to do that. So, so that would be the. You would want to talk to you know asset management, you know uh, companies that do that for a living. The other aspect is your small credit unions and banks. Um, they won't have as much volume, but you can develop a relationship with a key person at that bank or that credit union. And they're going to be more inclined to work with you uh, repeatedly than to go out and try and find someone. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing to point out, if you're an agent that, that does want to get into this space, typically you are putting the utilities and everything on your credit card uh, for that property until it sells. So just be aware of that. Uh, it can get very expensive very quickly, so yeah. you want to make sure you have enough room on, on your cards yeah, to, to yeah. manage it. Mm-hmm. Good point. Mm-hmm. What uh, with that raising uh, rising uh, interest rate environment, you're also going to see bust out mm-hmm. on deals. What uh, give me some uh, sense of what you're from a practice standpoint? What you're seeing on contracts where buyers and sellers are in conflict? Yeah, we're seeing a lot of that. So when when values were just going crazy uh, out of nowhere, you know, just shot up crazy and rates were really low we got influx of massive numbers of people wanting to sue their seller to force them to close. The seller's like, well, I'm gonna try to get out of this deal and sell it for 50 grand more. And, and so we would file these specific performance lawsuits against those sellers. Towards the end of this process, we've actually had several where interest rates swung the other direction. And so then we had to modify our, our, our approach to where we're not just suing to force the sell, we're suing for damages in addition to that for the delta and in insurance mm-hmm. so it's and it's pretty significant mm-hmm. like you'd be surprised at how much you get in damages there we, we've had great success on it from that side as it swings the other direction where it's going to be buyers trying to get out i'm i'm going to say that the seller is probably not going to do well to sue that buyer because it's really, really hard to sue a buyer and force them to close. Mm-hmm. And, and the main reason for it is unless they have ample amounts of cash to pay cash for the property, mm-hmm. you can't name you know, Bank of America and say, hey guys, y- y'all have to give this guy a loan. Mm-hmm. They're not gonna do it. You so know? so, it's, so that's confusing to me. So why would a seller, if I'm selling my house and I am contracted 
with someone to buy my home, what would make me want to sue them? If they said they don't want to close anymore. And now, because of the Well, then just th doesn't the contract end and I, I keep their earnest money? Well, maybe. Maybe. That's a fight every time. Right. Um, I can tell you that there's been maybe twice that I've seen where it was not clear who should get it. Hmm. It's okay. always clear. But if the parties don't agree to it, you know, Mark's companies, they're prohibited. They cannot. So then the closer, I mean, the... They, the buyer yeah. would then sue the seller to say, no, yeah. I'm not going to give you my That's right. and, and earnest, money. Right. earnest money. Yeah, and then the big, yeah. the big problem there is it's usually such a small dollar amount, it doesn't warrant go out and hire an attorney, pay them you right. know, 15, 20 grand. Because right. like, nobody's paying 20% right. down anymore, hardly. But well, and the yeah. earnest money is usually like 5 or 10 yeah. grand. Yeah. Like, it's small. Yeah. So there's just... Interesting. So yeah. it's a fight over the earnest money because yeah. somebody wants to back out of the deal. That's right. And it, But the occasional seller will say, hey, I'm going to sue that buyer and make them close. And I'm always like, you know, even if I get a judge to say they have to close, the mortgage company is not going to give them a loan. And that's right. the big issue. Huh, so. Interesting. Uh, that that kind of seems crazy to me when people could really work that out. But oh, yeah, that's just me. Well, that's just, that's, but that's the point of a motion. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. I thought I had my house sold. Yeah, I, I mean, I get that. Of right. Cancellation. Yeah. You know, and now I'm upset, and yeah. now I'm going to run down this pathway. One of the first things they're going to say, well, I'm going to sue you. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. that's right. What, what else does that really mean? Yeah, I, exactly. You know? and, and there are so many buyers out there, and mm -hmm. so few listings. Why not just let the next buyer come along rather than well, get entailed and embroiled in a legal that, thing? That's also, that's also yeah. yeah. So it has, the okay. inventory is rising rapidly. Jeez. That's right. Because yeah. the, this market's insane. It is. I mean, we're, we're yeah. having a complete tipping point yeah. that side. So now you see the, you know, we talked about it before, the uh, price improvement from, from the listing God. side of it. I lowered the price, okay, right. guys? Right. It was overpriced. But I'm tracking, you know, I, I track <laughs> listings every day in our marketplace. Yeah. I mean, there is just a lot of inventory coming into the market. Now, mm -hmm. price points, to me, are not conducive to where we are in the rate environment right. no. to that side. So mm -hmm. that's the challenge. You may be able yeah. Of if I saw 300 listings today in the market, I would say tw only 20% of those would be under 400,000. Yeah. Uh, so you've got it's it's just a really interest. So so we're stagnating right now. I mean, we're, yeah, it's an affordability issue. Yeah. Um, and and that's I don't know, I don't know that that's easily fixable, not in the short term. I agree. Wow. Yeah. Wow. 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 So it becomes you know the 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 challenge to the overall marketplace is to. It's what does the agent do right yeah. now? Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, uh, because they're going to go through whatever their activities are. They're going to get a listing. I talked to an agent yesterday who who declined a listing mm -hmm. because they felt like, and I think this was smart, they felt like the seller's expectations were unrealistic. Yep. And they knew that they was not going to result mm -hmm. in a transaction, mm -hmm. so they declined mm -hmm. and walked away, mm -hmm. yeah. which is smart to do it is. Uh, in it this is. environment. Because having a bunch of listings, because you got marketing costs mm -hmm. to the listings associated mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. So um, agents have to be savvy more than ever before. And and I think probably times. one of the, the preemptive strike is that they've got to get back in communication with their clientele. Absolutely. Irrespective and yes. just mm -hmm. do a little as I say the check up from the neck up and figure out what's going on. That's right. On and that's right. Everything yeah. good in your family and, and being forensic and, and digging in to know, digging you know. In and if you've got a, a challenge if you're faced with a challenge on making your payments or you're two months behind or whatever. Mm -hmm. They need to be proactively mm -hmm. thinking about strategically how do we manage that. Right, right. Uh, and it's not pull, shut the door and don't answer it. It's you got to figure out what's going on and who, who I need to be communicating with to see what my 
exit strategies right. maybe or my option strategies. And, that, and that's a great point. I mean, like, like, I, I can tell you it's, it's always frustrating to me when I see someone that's going through a bad time and they choose to just ignore it. And that's the common approach. Yeah. And what I can tell you, because I've worked on the banking side of this, this whole um, foreclosure business a lot before I went out on my own, they don't want to foreclose. Like a bank foreclosing on you is like not something they want to do, mm -hmm. uh, especially if they're going to have to take the property back as REO. They lose a fortune on those scenarios. They would rather work something out with you, help you sell it. They, they will work with you mm -hmm. and just bend over backwards to do that. More gentle machine gun hand. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, cause, and they're not doing it necessarily because they're nice people. I, you know, some of them are, but they're doing it because monetarily mm -hmm. it is the dumbest thing for them to do to take your mm -hmm. property. Right. They don't want it because that's not the business they're in. Right. To them, that's a liability. Yeah. 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 Well, in light of all that, then, and, and to close up our comments here, we've got a, about five minutes left. Uh, when an agent's client receives mm -hmm. that notice, what, what should they do? And, and when should the borrower be communicating with their lender if they're moving into default? What, what's a process that you recommend for clients and realtors when they see trouble? Yeah, the, like if you know you can't make your next payment or possibly the one after that, you should pick up the phone and call the lender and say, this is what I'm facing. I'm in trouble. And I, I'm going to make November, but after that, I don't think I can do December, and here's why. Mm -hmm. And they will put you with uh, loss mitigation okay. uh, is what they call it. Uh, and, and that whoever's in that department is going to work with you to help you. It may be they want to do a mortgage modification. That may or may not be in your best interest. Sometimes they are, sometimes they're not. They may want to tell you, look, you know, we want you to market the property for a short sale. Mm -hmm. You can get a pre-approved short sale, which mm -hmm. makes that process so much easier. Mm -hmm. From the agent side, and this is this happens, you have a listing and, and you don't know about it, and all of a sudden you find out, hey, we're going to the foreclosure sale next month. That happens, okay? Really? Well, in that instance, there's not a lot you can do. If that seller waits till the last minute, the only thing they can do to guarantee blocking that foreclosure sale is go file for bankruptcy. That's it. You waited too long. TROs, things of that nature work sometimes, but that's risky. Whereas if you file bankruptcy, it works 100% of the time, unless you're a serial filer. And, and most of them are like, well, my, I don't want to destroy my credit. You're facing a foreclosure. Your credit's gone. Yeah. Like, don't, don't even think about exactly. that right now. So, so can they just drop the price and sell the house real quick? <laughs> might. Might be able to. <laughs> in the old world, yeah, probably. Yeah, I know. You, you, might like, you know, those were old yeah. school tactics. Right. I don't Try know out. what you do these days. It's wild. Yeah. But that could be what happens. Yeah. And yeah. I think so. So. Yeah. Wow. Well, it's all about communication, isn't it? 100%. I mean, communicating uh, with your marketing, the right messages, communicating with your clients, communicating with your lenders. And, you know, this is the thing that I have seen in my career and lifetime is that people just tend to stick their head in the mm -hmm. sand mm -hmm. when trouble happens. They, they don't want to face it. You know, I mean, it was Scott Peck who said in his book, The Road Less Traveled, that the first thing to avoid mental uh, unhealthiness is to just accept that life is hard and to face your problems head on. Yeah. And it's when we don't face our problems right. that we get screwed up. So uh, good information. Thank you mm -hmm. so much, Matt. Yeah, um, you bet. I want to ask for your three takeaways uh, to leave with the audience. Three things that you would like to leave with them 
about what you do and about what you think is important about this subject. I'm going to let you think about it and let Mark go first. <laughs> uh, I thought Matt was going. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, well, I think the main thing, <clears throat> the consumer really doesn't know where to turn. Uh, so they've got to go seek guidance somewhere. Yeah. So I would think the first place I would want them to turn is back to the agent that sold them mm -hmm. the home mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and see what they can do. And then once the agent ascertains the conditions, then they should be going forth sort of as their advocate mm -hmm. uh, into people like Matt who could assist in giving them really good mm -hmm. guidance on mm -hmm. how to uh, uh, communicate with the lender in that example mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. to that side. So, uh, and then as Matt pointed out, I mean, when you first get to that problem saying of your consumer, get in contact with your lender. I mean, yeah. uh, you know, you can't, if you're, if you're getting a notice and it's coming in the mail and you let it sit on the table, it's not going away. Yeah. You got to open it up, look at it, figure out what my situation is, and that, yeah. and uh, and then for the agents right now, I'd just be strongly recommending um, in this environment to not be thinking so much transactionally, mm -hmm. and be thinking more about consulting. Mm -hmm. uh, every one of them has a database. Mm -hmm. Every one of them is taught to have that database. Mm -hmm. Go back to your database, talk to them, ascertain how they're doing, mm -hmm. see if there's any circumstances Good. that they need to be aware of and any advice that they could either give them or seek to get them in contact with someone that can give them advice and, and perhaps bring their anxiety levels down a little bit and, totally. and yeah. give them some possible solutions that they could at least begin to concentrate on. So Good. those are my thoughts. Good. Thank you. Matt? Yeah, I was going to copy and paste that, but... Um, <laughs> he so, always does that. He steals uh, my ideas, it's too. It's fine. It's fine. I, <laughs> I, I just I don't want people to panic. That's the biggest yeah. thing. There's yeah. going to be a lot of things that happen, especially next year, that that are going to inspire panic. Mm -hmm. There's unless things change, there's no need to panic right now. We're not going to have a bank problem or anything of that nature, at least not based on any of the data that's out there. So that's that's number one. Uh, number number two is is sellers need to understand where we are and buyers do as well where, where we are in the real estate timeline so values were overvalued for a period of time and we're playing catch up to that and we were able to extend that overvaluation of values for some time because rates were so low you know when i was explaining that in recent times, you know, the difference between, you know, inflation rates and interest and all that, if you really drive down into that, it's it's a big problem what, what has happened the last couple of years because we've built that into the values of cars and homes and things. That, so instead of paying it as interest, you're paying it in the sales price. Mm -hmm. So it, you're, you've got to have a certain level of affordability until the inflationary effect impacts wages, which it hasn't impacted them significantly enough to justify what things sell for. Mm -hmm. the, the final thing is, you know, in addition to, you know, staying relevant at all times, you know, to your clients, to your friends and everything, as an agent, do mine the heck out of your database for those FHA VA loans. I'm telling you, Good point. that is where the money is. You're going to have to pay some bills. Those individuals need to be selling and marketing that value that they have with that interest rate. It is a huge value, mm -hmm. and they can make a lot more money by doing that. Mm -hmm. so. Awesome. Thank you. Mm -hmm. uh, my take on all of this with marketing is, first of all, if you build it, they will come. If you mine your database, 
and you build relationships with the people you're doing business with, especially your A-listers. And they know you by name. They know that they can call you if there's a problem or something that they don't understand. That's your gold. That is your gold. So I loved what you said. Stop thinking transactionally and start thinking relationship-wise. Because when you have a relationship with your clients, when you know your database and you're marketing to them, number two, with good information, then you're building that trust level. Because like what you said, Mark, consumers don't know. We, we are out there trying to live our life, mm-hmm. trying to keep our head afloat, mm-hmm. trying to make enough money mm-hmm. to pay this, to do that, to do the things that we need to do Food to live. Clothing. So we don't know all this stuff, right. you know? So who should I be able to turn to if I have a problem in my house? It should be someone that I've built a relationship with my realtor, mm-hmm. my lender, somebody. But you know, these days it's wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. You sell your house and you don't see that realtor for, again, and they may not even be in business anymore. Right. So all the more reason why building your team, realtors, if you own a business and you're marketing your business, build relationships with your people. This is the most important thing because if you build it, they will come back. And this is a crazy time. So mm-hmm. you know, add Mark to your database and Matt to your database because these are people that you can reach out to and talk to about these issues when they come up. And that's, that's what I have to say. Well, and then when you think about it, just as the summary to all that, is think about the number of people that have entered the real estate industry in the last five years. Yeah. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah. This, this is a whole new experience that they do not have any knowledge Mm-hmm. Even they don't have a historical perspective mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. it at all, and they're probably just sitting there like deer in a headlight, going, mm-hmm. "Oh my gosh, what just happened?" Exactly you know, to that side. So, uh, so trusted brokers, yeah. you know, trusted yeah. title people, trusted lenders. Uh, I think to have a network, to have a team, a realtor where you can reach out when when they don't know, right, what and be to in do. discussion with them now. Talk, yeah. talk to them now. Yeah. Because yeah. you're going to get advice from that, mm-hmm. which is going to give them more information that mm-hmm. they can then pass on to mm-hmm. their client that owns yeah. the home. So Totally agree. That's it. Good stuff. Thank you so much, Matt. You bet. Thank you, Mark. Thank Always. you, Secured Title yeah. of Texas. Thank you guys for mm-hmm. supporting the insiders. We'll see you next month. Ciao. Ciao.